Sunset Lake CBD is a majority employee-owned hemp farm located right outside of Burlington, Vermont. Before they started growing hemp, Sunset Lake Farms produced cream for Ben & Jerry's. Sunset Lake CBD doesn't use any pesticides or herbicides to grow any of its hemp plants, and they use organic fertilizer and other sustainable farming techniques to ensure the long-term health of the soil and to minimize their carbon footprint. So like all of us, my days are really stressful. By the end of the night, my kids are in bed, I'm taking a minute to chill, but I'm still unwinding. I recently started using the Relax Gummies infused with CBD isolate, reishi mushroom extract, and ashwagandha root extract. I'm really glad I tried these because they really helped me get ready for a good night of sleep, and I really think I sleep better, so I'd highly recommend it. So check out Sunset Lake CBD today at sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. That's sunsetlakecbd.com and use the code HFPOD for 20% off your order. Farmer-owned, Vermont-grown, Sunset Lake CBD. Hi, listeners. I want to tell you about a cause that I'm involved with at Heritage Radio Network. HRN is celebrating its 15th year And to celebrate, we're deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. Hey, listeners, I want to tell you about a sponsor, Music Masters Collective. They're a nonprofit organization that produces unique music events, providing opportunities for fans and artists to meet and collaborate in an inspired and creative atmosphere. Every week, they host different events, all with the opportunity to learn from world-class musicians like O'Teal Burbridge, Trouble No More, former members of the band, Milk Carton Kids, Nikki Glaspie, Bill Frizzell, Sean Colvin, and many more. This June, join the Fab Foe, Joan Osborne, John Sebastian, Marshall Crenshaw, and a great group of faculty for the debut of Magical Mystery Camp. This all-inclusive, once-in-a-lifetime music vacation experience in the heart of the Catskills will be packed with nightly performances, workshops, speakers, song circles, open mics, and a lot more. If you're a performing musician at any level, bring your instrument. If you're a music lover, bring your good spirit. It's an amazing experience for individuals, friends, and couples alike. Registration is open, spots are filling up, so check it out soon. And scholarships are available. Check out magicalmysterycamp.com slash helpingfriendly to learn more. Yeah. 
Hey everyone, this is the Helping Friendly Podcast. This is episode 120. Um, today we're here with Josh, who joins us from Nashville. Josh, thanks for joining. Hey, thanks for having me. Yeah, we appreciate you coming on. It's been a, a long time in the works. Schedules have gotten yep. in the way, so <laughs> appreciate your patience. We sort of started talking on Twitter, and you're um, you are a yoga instructor at, at, on, on the side, and um, and I've seen some of your tweets about it, and so we started talking about. Um, doing an episode about you know fish in general but and your fish experience but also the crossover between yoga and fish and I'm, I'm really excited about it so thanks for being willing to to do it two of my favorite things yoga <laughs> and fish so before we get into the conversation i guess we're um just one the cool thing that if people haven't seen um this episode will come out go up a couple of days from now but Last night, Trey sat in with uh, T- Tedeschi Trucks Band in, in, uh, at the Beacon. Did you catch that video, Josh? Oh, of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I, I love Derek Trucks anyway, and Tedeschi Trucks Band is amazing. They'll, they'll be here for, uh, I think, three shows in Nashville at the Ryman pretty, uh, coming up, so I'm, I'm definitely going to get into that. Oh, cool. Nice. Yeah, and we were before we started recording, we talked a little bit about the, the music scene there. Um, we'll talk a little bit more about that, but no shortage of live music for you, huh? No, not at all. I'm spoiled. <laughs> um, and we have uh, the the MSG run coming up in what a couple of months, um, which we're yeah. pretty psyched about. Are you going to make it up for any of those? I'm not. Um, I did last seven of the Baker's Dozen run, and so that that kind of was uh, my my fish funding for the for the summer. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> right. Yep. Everyone's got everyone's got their fish funding. <laughs> um, yep. yep. Cool. Well, um, and we're also just so people know we're gonna. Um, do something a little bit different. Um, Josh came up with some tracks that, that make up about an hour long, um, vinyasa flow yoga class. And they're all, it's built from several fish jams, um, from over the years. And, um, it's pretty cool, pretty exciting. So that's what you'll hear at the end. And I think even if you're not into yoga, you'll, you'll appreciate the mix for sure. Um, so we'll talk a little bit more about that, Josh, but, um, let's just start by just tell us a little bit about your, how you, you know, came to know fish, how you got into the band, that sort of thing. Well, I had gone throughout my kind of my music discovery. Um, I started off with classic rock. My mom had given me uh, the band Yes. She gave me cassette tapes, and I just fell in love with that prog rock sound. And and then I kind of evolved from Yes into kind of like death metal Slayer and that kind of thing. And and um, started really getting into the heavy stuff. And then went into the grunge phase. And then as I was like, Pearl Jam is the best band ever, which I love. Them. Um, my friend came in with Lawn Boy and said, "You need to listen to this." And so I listened to, I remember Bathtub Gin and I remember Antelope just stuck in my head. And I was just like, I have to go see this band. And so uh, my first show ended up being um, in 94. And uh, it changed my life, obviously. I mean, it was, and I got lucky with my first show. It was 7-8-94, which was the Great Woods Game Henge. Oh, yeah. Wow. That was, that, was my, that was my first show. My buddy said, come with me. Trust me. Just let's go. So we did fortuitous first show. Well, with it, we we had already planned that week though. Uh, the Grateful Dead were doing a show up at Highgate, Vermont, and it was like a, an overnight camping thing. And so we had already been planning on going up for that anyway. And so we ended up doing within that first week of me seeing fish, I saw seven eight, seven nine, seven ten, then the Grateful Dead, and then seven fifteen and seven sixteen ending at Sugarbush. So I kind of kind of got an awesome first week of of jam in my life. That's amazing. And so what, what were some of your first earliest memories or, or was, were there particular memories from that show or your first couple shows when you really feel like you got it? Well, when, for me, when I really got it was lizards. Um, I, I mean, that just, that just felt like it. 
uh, that that whole ending jam of lizards, that whole last part is just that is ingrained in me. And and you know that I've got a a bunch of uh, fish tattoos, and uh, the lizards is one of the first ones that I ever got. <laughs> nice. So lizards really re- lizards really holds a special place for me. Cool, what a great song! I think they played that at my first show as well in um, fall of '95. Oh, right. Yeah, yeah, nice. can't can't get enough of it. Um, so. Tell us a little bit about like, so you're, you know, 94, you go to a couple shows and you're seeing, you know, the dead and other music, of course. And, and how did it sort of evolve from there? Did you continue to see shows consistently until hiatus or um, what was that oh, sort of journey like? For me, um, in those earlier years, I was a wedding planner in New England. And so my hometown is Keene, New Hampshire. Um, so it's kind of the southwestern corner of New Hampshire. And pretty much anywhere they played in New England wasn't more than a three hour drive. So I had a a good buddy of mine growing up that he would always say, hey, Fish is playing tonight. We can get in. Let's go. And so we would randomly just go. And I'd drive home that night and be completely exhausted from work the next day, but that was fine. It was totally worth it. But So it kind of evolved into me going to as many shows as possible everywhere I could. And that was basically from 94, I'd say fall 94 through 1998 into 99. And that was just me seeing as many shows as I possibly could. And and not only Fish. I mean, I, I love all types of music, so I will go see anything. It involved into just going to as many shows as I could all the time. Yeah. <laughs> what were some of your, like, mid, sort of mid-90s, late-90s favorites in terms of, you know, looking back now? Are there shows that you went to that you that you still revisit today? Okay, so one specifically is 121195 Cumberland County Civic Center. Oh, nice. And yeah. that show for me with the, the friends that I was with, the scene that was there, the show itself, I mean, My Friend, My Friend, Ha 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 opener, two dog logs, that was the whole dog log album kind of joke with the crowd. Right, 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 right. And, and that show, and then Warren Haynes. I, I remember looking at my buddy Jeff as soon as, like, Trey said, we're going to bring our friend Warren Haynes out. And I looked at him and just went, did he just say Warren? I mean, it was like slow motion. Did he just say Warren Haynes? And so it that show right there was just kind of a culmination of my love for the band. It was just such a, such a fun show. I'd say New Year's 95 was another crazy one. That that was just uh, start to finish. That's one of my favorite shows ever. And then I'm a huge Pink Floyd fan, so the uh, the Dark Side show was a huge one for me as well. No yeah. way. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't yeah, think... Yeah, we didn't skip... We didn't skip it. <laughs> I don't think I know anyone personally who's been there. And I think on a recent episode, maybe it was on HF Pod Plus or, or, or on here, we discussed that um, that show and... I think the three of us who were on it were like, I don't think we've, I don't, I don't think I know anyone who, who actually saw that show. That's pretty crazy. So can you tell me a little bit about that show? Like, was it, was it completely empty, mostly empty? What was it like? I would say it was mostly empty. I mean, it really, it was not as full as it should have been. Um, But the energy in the room was off, off the charts. I mean, everybody that was there was just so just into it. And then when they, they started the first opening notes for dark side, it was just, I thought they were just going to do one, you know, one song, maybe two. And then they just kept going. And I was like, oh, my God, this is happening. And it was just I've got chills right now just talking about it.
I couldn't believe it happened. And then I'm not going to lie, I'm a Nirvana fan. So when they came out, yeah. it smelled like Teen Spirit for the encore, I died. I was just like, that that, that wins. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you mentioned the grunge. I went through a grunge phase too. I think everybody did, you know. Yeah. <laughs> part of the part of the journey of you, the night. You kind of have to, yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know? <laughs> um, so that's crazy. So so then kind of dropped off a little bit or, or just the hiatus happened, and then did you get back into it for for 2.0? Yep, I did, yep. Um, and so, I mean, again, I just saw as many shows as I could whenever I could, you know. I mean, I was crying in the mud at Coventry, and then um, I, I didn't get to get back to fish. I mean, I came back in 2009. And I, my first shows weren't until 2010 because life happens, you know? And so, uh, in 2010 is when I kind of got back on the train, if you will. <laughs> I will. I will. I'll allow it. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, um, that's interesting because the, I was also crying in the mud at Coventry. I think a lot of people were, yeah. um, I think I still have mud on me. Yeah. Oh man. I had to throw my shoes away. Um, oh, yeah. that was crazy. Um, so, and how have you felt about the last couple of years? Um, you know, just go to sort of the the most recent, I don't know, 2013 on, what's your sort of take on where they are and where they've been and that sort of thing? I love where they are. They are, I feel like they've grown musically and um, they've, they're challenging themselves and I just, I love what they're doing right now. They look happy and it looks like this pace they could keep going for a long time. And th- and that's what I want. I want for them to be happy on stage. I mean, it makes us happy, obviously, to be in the crowd and to be together and, and you know, singing along and, and raging and all that. But I want the band to be happy because if they're happy, then this keeps going. Uh, you know, obviously, we don't ever want this to end. Fish, we want it to go on forever. Yep. But it, if they're happy, the band is happy doing what they're doing, I'm happy with that. Yeah, definitely. Um, and they, they clearly are. Um, and you, you mentioned that you got to see the, the last um what seven shows a baker's dozen which is which is quite yes. a, quite a bit um some of the best some of the best playing i have seen them do ever yeah so that it's was just that was uh, i think we were at so seven was night six through 13 then yep. <laughs> if i'm doing the math right so we You're were the 28th was one of my one of my one of my favorites ever um oh okay yeah that, that friday night jimmy's night jimmy's night for me Oh yeah, yeah. That was um that was so Matt, one of our co hosts, that was his first um first Harpua ever. Oh awesome. Super super psyched about that. Yeah, what what were some other highlights or, or, or sort of memories from, from Baker's Dozen for you? Um the I, the tweezer reprise, the energy in the room. I, I thought everybody was gonna lift off the floor. That tweezer <laughs> reprise when they just started kicking into that. And I actually took a I don't know how I sat still enough, but I took a, a little video clip of like the first minute of it. And you can see the entire crowd. And I'm at the very, very back. I actually met a bunch of um, the Twitter tribe while I was at the show randomly at the back left corner of the floor. And I, you can, I'm at the back with the video and you can see the entire crowd slowly like getting, like jumping higher and getting bigger. And the, you could almost like see the energy getting bigger and bigger and bigger as they built up. It was, that was, I'll, I'll never forget that ever. That's amazing. Um, cool. So you're, um, you're obviously, you know, you've been, you've been seeing fish for a really long time. And, um, where, where do you think, where do you think they go from here? Is there any, do you have any, any predictions or thoughts about, you know, 2018 or, or beyond? I mean, if the Watkins festival happens, I'll be there. I mean, that's great. I think I see them. I think like everybody thinks is that they'll do fewer shows obviously, but they'll do more multi-night runs. 
I could see him do a few few at the Gorge and then, you know, maybe doing a couple in the Southeast, kind of like what they've been doing the last few years anyway. But um, I, I see them doing more multi-night runs at, at certain venues and, and people just traveling to see fish and going to a destination kind of thing. Yeah, which is pretty cool. I mean, did you go to either of the Mexicos? Yeah. I did not. I did yeah. not. And I had friends that went and they said it was just it was amazing. Yeah, that's a pretty cool, you know, things like that with maybe a little bit less, um, a little bit less far, but, you know, different cities yeah, and, yeah. <laughs> and yeah. locales. But if, that, but if that keeps their tour schedule to a pace that they can handle and that they can still have a life, I mean, they, they need to have a life too. They're, they're guys, you know what I mean? Like, yeah. they're, they're, they're people. So if that keeps them to a point where they can still play shows, you know, a couple West Coast, a couple East Coast, a couple South, whatever, and then continue to play for years, that, I mean, I'm do it. Do what you need to do. Yeah. And it's interesting because there was like some, obviously, a minority, a vocal minority, if, as as it were, <laughs> with of people who were, you know, like, I can't believe they're going back to MSG. And, you know, yeah, what yeah. you said about them sort of, you know, doing what they want and being happy is, um, it's, that's sort of the point, right? You got to, they, they have to do what, what works for them. Exactly. I mean, this isn't about us. This is about them and they're creating music. If they're in a bad place, you know, mentally, or, or they're just torn too much, and it's too hard on them, and they can't see their families, the music is going to reflect that. And so for me, if they're, if they're happy, and they're, they're doing these shorter runs, I mean, you could tell how loose and how happy the vibe was from the band for the Baker's Dozen, because they didn't have to move their equipment, they didn't have to worry about traveling, they were set up shop. Yeah, so for, for me, like, it, it seemed like that's how just loose, and that's why the, the music was just so on point for the entire Baker's Dozen run. I mean, it, it just it really was start to finish. That was just amazing. Yeah, and they um, they were obviously able to to like you said maybe concentrate a little bit more on the music or at least um, yeah. focus a little bit more on on what they uh, you know what what they were doing on stage. And I know from hearing from the Mike interview and, and a couple other things, like clearly they were you know they were working hard. It wasn't like they were just going up oh, there no, and and you know not putting in any effort. But they were um, man. The two hundred and whatever thirty-seven songs or something. I mean, yeah. that's just—it's pretty incredible. Unheard of. Yeah. What other band? Could, what other band could do that? I mean, I—I I, I don't know if any other bands really could. Yeah. No, I don't think so. Um, I'm also I'm also partial to fish. So, you know. <laughs> of course. <laughs> As are we on this fish podcast. Um, <laughs> so, um, let's talk a little bit about your. I know that you you have a profession sort of day job, but, um, but you have a passion for, for yoga as, as do I, and I'm not, I don't consider myself, you know, a yogi by any, by any standards, but I discovered it a few years ago, um, on recommendation from my wife and, and my friend Zach and a couple others. And, um, it's, it's really kind of changed the way that I see exercise and, and health and all that. I used to just run. Um, so the past three years or so, you know, totally changed my, my outlook, but, that's why I was excited to kind of chat with you about this, but I know you have a lot more probably depth of experience and perspective on it. How did you, how did you first get into to yoga? Well, um, in, from 2007 to 2010, um, I was going through a really, really, really rough patch. And, um, in about 2010, I mean, it was, I had, I had kind of hit like a really, really, really bad spot. And mm -hmm. at that point, a friend of mine said, Hey, why don't you try hot yoga? And sparing you the details, but I was like, all right, kind of a last ditch effort kind of thing. And I went and tried hot yoga and I cried for half the class. And wow. then I went back, the next, I went back the next day, did it again. And went every day for the first four months. 
literally got on my mat every day for the first four months. Wow. And so there's a couple of heart opening backbend postures that uh, we, they just open you up and mm-hmm. I was literally in tears, but it was okay that I was in tears because it just lo- looked like my eyes were sweating. And I, yeah. I tell my students, I tell my students this too. It's like, you know what? I, I spent the first four months of my practice in that back far corner of the room, bawling my eyes out. And that was okay because I was releasing something. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But, but then after that four month period or so, um, I got back to me. And so for me, yoga literally saved my life. It, it really, really saved my life. Wow. And for the next month, I was looking into teacher training programs because if yoga can do that for me, then I want to be able to help other people, even just like a little teeny bit of what it did for me. And if I, and if I, if I have the opportunity to do that, I'm going to do that. And so that's why that, that same fall of 2010, I enrolled in the uh, teacher training program and I was teaching it by the end of 2010. Wow, that's amazing. So obviously not to get into the details, but but that that sort of alone or or yoga kind of just helped you sort of get get things in perspective in order to correct what other st- whatever else you had going on. Well, so it was a situational thing um where I was literally just I shut everything out for about 3 years from 2007 to 2010 mm-hmm. and um and at the point like I'm not a depressed person because I'm super bubbly and, and happy all the time. But in that situation, the doctor had me on some crazy like medications and stuff that just you know, made me feel worse. Yoga made me feel better. And so as I was taking these yoga classes, I was forgetting to take medication and stuff. And then all of a sudden, it was like I, didn't, I hadn't taken medication in a month, and I felt amazing. So yoga, yoga literally saved my life. That is, that's awesome. That's great to hear. And yeah. um, I know that there's you know, a, a lot of crossover um, you know, between – between these two topics, yoga and fish, of course. Um, but what um, what's the journey been like kind of integrating the, the two? For me, um, it's about freedom. And it's about freedom to be yourself, whether you are at a concert wearing a cape and a tutu or a wig or whatever, you know, party clothes. Um, or if you are on your yoga mat and in the class that you're in, you just need to lay down because that's just what you feel for the day. You've got freedom. And one of the best parts about yoga for me is – it doesn't matter where you are in a posture. It just matters that you are. There's every master had their first day on a yoga mat, and we all start somewhere. So that's mm-hmm. what I tell people is when, when, well, I don't want to go to yoga because I'm not flexible. Well, I say, well, that's like a kid saying I'm not going to go to kindergarten because I can't read. Mm-hmm. Right? <laughs> so for me, I, I've gotten a lot of my friends to come try yoga and actually fall in love with it um, because I'm just like, just come get on your mat. I don't care if you lay in the room the entire time. Just come check it out. And so once, once I can get them in there and get them comfortable with getting into a studio, it, they feel a little bit better about it. But, but for me, the, the freedom to be you, and, and that's what I've always felt at Fish. I've always not used it as, a, as an escape necessarily, but it's a place where I can go and I can just be with a bunch of people that are not strangers, but friends I haven't met yet. And yoga is the same way. It gives, it gives me freedom. Yeah, that's interesting because um, we, we did a survey um, over the summer of just asking people what, you know, what fish meant to them. And, um, there was a lot of stuff that I read in there in this, you know, people's responses. We got over a hundred responses. Um, people saying that they, you know, um, it made them fish makes them feel, you know, free and open and more general happiness and positivity and, um, that sort of thing, which I I think people that I know who, who practice, you know, have the exact same sort of feeling. So there, there is a lot of crossover. Yeah, there, there is, there is. 
and I mean, fish music I can listen to when I'm doing anything. And for me, like fish with yoga, it just it works because it gets me it gets me pumped up and makes me happy, even happier than I am to be on my mat. You know, which is which is pretty happy anyway. So then on top of that, you get you add fish into the yoga, and I'm just, it's it's my joy. Musically, do you do you use music for all your classes or only some, or or how does that work? Because we're gonna obviously talk a little bit more about about this playlist, which hopefully you'll be able to use at some point. But how do you approach? Oh yeah, I'm going. I'm going to yeah. Yeah, being a someone who loves music, how do you approach that with with the different kinds of classes? Well, with the different kinds of classes, um, you want something to match the class, obviously. Um, and, and I've got to be a little bit careful because as much as I'm a, a you know, self-proclaimed fish freak, um, most of my students probably are not. I mean, we've got Vanderbilt University right there, so we get a lot of Vanderbilt students, and most of them have never heard of fish. But, but it's kind of a, a, a like personal win when they come out of class and they're like, oh, what were some of those songs you were playing? Those were, those were really good. It's like, yes. Those are fish. Let me write them down for you. <laughs> Let me get you into them. Yeah. yeah. Um, but but so you know, I, I use a lot of um, gentle kind of electronic music as well. Like Pretty Lights is a good one. Um, just kind of real groovy, kind of flowy, break science kind of stuff. And and so I'll use some of that as well. Um, but but for me, I just I, I love fish with yoga. And, I, and I've done a all restorative playlist, which is just real real like chill. I call it sloth yoga, um, which is perfect for sloth. And uh, I it's just on the floor. It's just chill. So I did like a whole studio fish slow songs playlist, Nice, which, which was actually pretty, which is pretty cool. And, and, and that was really just nice and chill and, and good to, to do the yoga with as well. Yeah. That's the one thing for me. Cause I'm, you know, obviously a huge, huge music fan. And when I go, it's, it's, and I go to a sort of chain place that, um, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's hot and it's more exercise than, you know, than yoga. Yeah, but, yeah. but I, I mean, the music is, I'm sure that there are people who go who like the music, but a lot of times to me, it's just sort of like, like, man, why don't, why don't they take more, you know, creativity with this? But, um, one class several weeks ago, a woman, her, her entire 60 minute playlist was all Radiohead, which I thought was, it was really cool because it, it worked really well and it was, you know, it was, it was pretty cool. But, but I, but by and large, you know, that that's just not how these things sort of, you know, work. Um, no, I've heard I've heard top forty music in yoga classes, and that just kind of takes my heart out of it. <laughs> <laughs> right, that's not what you're going for. Um, right, 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 right. Yeah. So, um, well, let's talk a little bit about this playlist because uh, there's in listeners can can look in the show notes and see the um, the tracks. And and Josh, you and I went back and forth. I think I I, <laughs> I had been thinking for a long time about a, a playlist for a, like a sixty minute vinyasa class, and the only thing that I could think of was the was the eleven seventeen ninety seven ghost? Um, oh, yeah. that you know, <laughs> just like that—that's what I want to like live life to generally. But um, and, and people <laughs> can look at the tracks um, in, in the show notes. But we have a mix that flows together really well. Um, but tell us a little bit about how you kind of thought about those um, those different tracks. Well, the different tracks for me, um, with the exception of twelve thirteen, the chalk dust. And the um, what's the use? I was at the rest of the shows, and they're awesome. some of my favorite. They're all some of my favorite song versions of them. And for me, like the opener, Soul Shakedown. I mean, that that's what my yoga mat is for me. It's a show, it's a Soul Shakedown party, and you know, for one, for me on the mat. And so that just I thought was just such a light, awesome opener for the list because that, that I just I love that too, and I just I love them playing that. That is great, and that's something that we don't hear hear too often anymore. Um, 
And as right. you, as you get sort of further into it, I mean, I guess as if people who aren't um, aren't as familiar, as we get into it a little bit, there's some funk and there's some bliss jams and there's some grooves and you know we we I think you did a great job of kind of varying it up in, in different kinds of music. But how does the um, kind of flow, you know, pun intended, work in yeah. terms of the the actual kind of musical choices? Like if people aren't familiar with yoga, how will you? How does it build up for people who are familiar with fish, but maybe not how these these classes work? Well, I, I kind of take it like a peak. Um, so if you, you you're starting at the class, um, you're starting class, you're you're kind of getting warmed up, you're setting your intention, and then you start to ramp it up. And it, it, I kind of feel like it kind of goes up into like if you looked at a, a visual chart, it would be an upside down capital letter V. And so you kind of come up to a peak, and then you kind of bring it back down as you slow the class down to end it. So for me, it was warming up, working out core, getting warmed up, getting warmed up. Then you start to get into the flow. You hit the peak of the flow, and then you start to slow the flows down to the other side, and then you do a deep stretch at the end, and then you do Savasana where it kind of calms it back down. So for me, it really is like a big peak in a valley kind of thing. Nice. Yeah, that's great. And that's um, it's not that not that different from like an awesome set of music, right? An, an exactly, awesome exactly. That, and that's kind of that's kind of how I, I I plan it around, like kind of like that. Yeah, I'm also a musician, so that that for me plays into my mind when I'm doing that kind of thing. Nice. Um, and for people who are listening who who have never done yoga before or who haven't you know gotten into it, what's your advice for people as you you know who come to your class for the first time to um, I don't know. Just what, what do you say to people in terms of trying it or, or sticking with it or, or, you know, what's your advice? Yoga is for everybody. It doesn't matter where you come from, what you look like, who you are, what, how old you are. None of that matters at all. Yoga is for everybody. Um, it does, like I said, it doesn't matter where you are in a posture. It just matters that you are. So if you're there, you're giving effort, you get benefits. Like people, yes, I can kick up at a standing split now, but when I first started yoga, I couldn't touch my toes. Now I can touch my toes with my forehead down behind me in a backbend. And so, it, I mean, I just, I was, I've just been a big guy and not been able to, to be flexible. And, and, but now I am practice doesn't make perfect because there's no such thing as perfect mm-hmm. in yoga. Practice mm-hmm. makes happy. Practice makes happy. That's awesome. And that's, um, it's interesting because that's similar advice that you give to someone going to their first fish show, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Just, just go, just check it out. You're, you'll love it. Yeah. And, and, and even if it's, um, crazy and you you don't quite get it at first and it's uh, too much go back do it again same thing with yoga do it again just just keep at it and try it give it a little bit of time don't just drop off right you know don't drop right off with it like give it a shot get right into it and then and then see from there and then you'll you'll probably fall in love with it nice um have you seen any like groups around uh, either online or, or offline that that combine yoga and fish are there you know at, at just, anything like that to be honest with you, I haven't. Yeah. I'm kind of thinking I need to start now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. There might be maybe local, you know, in, in different cities. I haven't either. I haven't seen anything. And maybe that's just because I haven't stumbled upon it. But it seems like it should, there should be more, right? Because I'd, I'd yeah, love that to. Should, that should be a thing. Yeah. yeah that should be a thing. So, yeah, but, but if you have injuries or, you know, heartache or go try yoga, it, it, it really, it really cures you. And it doesn't matter what it is that you have. It really cures you. Awesome. Um, well, Josh, this is, this has been a fun conversation and appreciate you putting together this, um, this playlist. Um, and I hope people enjoy it and, and, and listen to it and hopefully, you know, think a little bit more about, about trying, trying yoga if they haven't yet. Um, and 
yeah, so everyone should um, should follow Josh on Twitter. It's it's Yogi Josh Kenobi. Yep. <laughs> cool. Make sure I got that right. Um, yeah, yeah. Thank you for for joining Josh and and for for talking to us about your journey and about this uh, this awesome overlap between uh, between fish and yoga. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Cool. All right, so we're going to get straight into the music. Um, it's about a 60-65 minute playlist, so um, you'll see the the tracks in the show notes. But as as always, we encourage you to just listen to it, and you can look back at the the tracks later. And if you haven't yet, give us a review on iTunes. You can follow us on Twitter at HFPod. And if you have thoughts, uh, questions, comments, feedback, ideas, um, email us at helpingfriendlypodcast at gmail So until next time, keep on rocking. What is a city without its music? The legacy of the New York Philharmonic is incredible. Nearly two centuries of history. That's a lot of music and a lot of stories. I was sitting on stage for the very first time thinking, I can't quite believe this is happening. Join me, Jamie Bernstein, as we explore the history of the New York Philharmonic. It's the NY Phil story made in New York, a podcast about a city, its people, and their orchestra. Listen wherever you get podcasts.
This is Tuck from Fit for a King, an off-road minivan. Every week I bring you fun interviews alongside your favorite metalcore entertainers with my new podcast, Get Tucked. Join me every Monday with bands like Counterparts, Crystal Lake, like Moths to Flames, and many more. 
We play unsigned and undiscovered bands, deep dive into each artist's history, and of course provide the greatest breakdowns in current metalcore. Tune in to Get Tucked every Monday, out now through Sound Talent Media. What's up, everybody? I am Finn McKenty, host of the Punk Rock NBA podcast, part of the Sound Talent Media podcast network. My podcast is all about doing what you love for a living, and every week I sit down and talk to people who have done exactly that. For example, musicians like Tommy from Between the Buried Me, Matt from Periphery, Lil Lotus and Shinigami, among many others, photographers, artists, designers, YouTubers like Glenn Fricker and Sarah Dietschy, and I unpack exactly how they got to where they are today with the goal of helping you do the same. So if that sounds cool, you can listen and subscribe at SoundTalentMedia.com, and I'll see you there.